Coming to you from BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Bethany Vikings Podcast. Hosted by Brock Aker, Jake Anderson, and Gabe Stace. It's time to go inside Bethany Athletics. Welcome to another episode of the Bethany Vikings Podcast. I am Jake and Anderson alongside Gabe Stace and Brock Aker. It's week two. We got a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. Let's start with recapping the awards for the week, and we'll start with none other than Hannah Geisfeld, who was named UMAC Player of the Week on February 7th for the eighth time just this season and was also named to the D3 Hoops Team of the Week for the fourth time this season. Um, Brock, we'll start with you. Hannah Geisfeld, I mean, we've been talking about her pretty much all year. What makes her so special? Uh, she has a large arsenal of different moves on display each and every game. She can go left, she can go right, she can hook, fake, spin, um, everything in between. She's got a jump shot, too, the elbow. Uh, she's been pretty locked down um, with the jump shot as well, and she can pass. She can do anything. That's pretty simple. Her drop to her drop step move has looked like her go-to move uh, recently. Um, she's making it look more and more easy every time out, it seems like. It's like you look up at in the middle of the fourth quarter, she's got 30, and that's just the norm now. I mean, you talk about the norm. She's averaging 37 points over those two games from last week, 14 rebounds a game as well, two assists on 71% shooting. I mean, if somebody were to do that in one game, one singular game, that's like a great game. That's what she's doing basically on a weekly basis right now. She's been so dominant this year, leading the nation in total points, points per game, made field goals, made free throws, free throws attempted, second in rebounds. I mean, she's just been doing it all for this Vikings team. And that's what they've come, they've come accustomed to. They expect that from her, and fans expect that from her. It doesn't really matter what defense they throw at her. She still gets the job done. And you look at some of the – we had a little bit of a sloppy play this past weekend. We'll get to that here in just a second. But we can, we, we need all of that uh, with the injuries that we've gotten. If we're going to beat Northwestern, we're going to need Hannah Geisfeld to play at this high of a level. All right, we'll look now at the track and field area of things as we had a couple of conference award winners there. We'll start with Stephanie Whitbrod. UMAC Track Athlete of the Week, her first career honor with that. Uh, so we go from somebody who's basically winning it week to week to somebody who just won it for the first time in her career. She placed sixth in the 60-meter hurdles with a UMAC best time of 9.98 seconds, added in a second place in the 4x4 high jump, and was fourth in weight throw, all of those being best career best marks. And currently in conference, uh, much like Hannah Geisfeld, she sits at top of the conference in long jump and triple jump, second in shot put, and third in weight throw and high jump, just all over the top of the UMAC standings for Stephanie Whiprod, a freshman from Wyoming. And think of what that can do for the track and field program as a whole. Um, Jake, and I'm, I'm sure you can speak to this, but w what does that do for for your program moving forward? Well, you see the amount of events that she's been thrown into, and she, um, just this past weekend, we'll get to this later too, uh, added more to what she was able to do. Uh, Coach Dunn, I know, has talked about throwing her as a multi, meaning that she does multi multiple events uh, within a meet and gets scored for those events. Um, being atop of the conference in jumps is big. Not only being able to do jumps, but then you throw in things like 60-meter hurdles, being the top of the conference in that, being in shot put, being towards the top of the conference in that, um, and just being overall just in the athlete that she is. It's huge for this women's team who is looking to try to get their first conference team championship in program history. So she's been absolutely huge and dynamite and a big piece of this team for sure. Um you add her in what she's able to do to Kayla Tobin, who has been kind of the distance guru. And those two are going to eat up a lot of points for that women's track team when we get to conference. Now, we'll go from the women's track side of things to the men's track side of things. And Jake Marzinski uh, got his third career UMAC track athlete of the week. He won both long jump and triple jump in his first meet. Um, out of COVID protocols, he uh, it was the first time he had competed since December 4th and just came out and took the world by storm, essentially. Uh, reset the school record for triple jump with a jump of 14.18 meters or 46 feet and six and a quarter inches. Currently ranked nationally as well in triple jump. Uh, was sitting 20th going into this weekend. Uh, wasn't able to improve on that, but you know, still sitting nationally. They take the top 20 
athletes as well. So definitely looking at him possibly getting an invite to Natty's. We'll see as the season kind of goes on. But Jake Marzinski getting his third career UMAC Track Athlete of the Week. And is that nationally? Is that Division Three or everything? Division Three. Yep. I actually saw him um, after the basketball game. Didn't have a chance to look at um, the track and field results yet. Um, but he came in. I asked him how it went, and he's so humble. Didn't mention the record. But then I asked about it. He's like, "And yeah, I did set the school record for the triple jump." And I'm like, "At a weight, Jake. Same old Jake." He he is a guy too that he doesn't want as much of the spotlight. He's gonna sit there and focus on. All right, I need to do what I need to do, and I don't care what else is going on around me. I'm just gonna stay within myself. Whereas a lot of jumpers. You'll see them doing like, you know, claps and get people to kind of slow clap with them um, or, you know, just get really fired up. Jake, he'll jump, he'll dust himself off out of the sand and then he'll walk back and just, you know, start focusing on his next jump. So it's always funny because he's one of the last jumpers and a lot of those really good jumpers that are jumping, you know, 13.5 meters on up, they want the claps and they want the crowd getting into it. But then you can always tell it's shake because it'll go from all that clapping to just dead silence. And you'll just be like, all right, well, yep, Jake's running. Okay. And he flew really far, and I, I can't even comprehend how he did that. But um, it's just kind of interesting to watch him tick and how he's able to get himself to compete and get himself to stay in his own where he's just kind of in his own world and things like that. So now we'll move to some school records that were actually set this past weekend. Uh, we'll start with track as Kayla Tobin at um, the SDSU meet on Friday, February 11th, set the women's indoor 5K record at 19 minutes, 10 seconds, point uh, 41, breaking that by two seconds. And let me tell you, she left it to the last like 150 meters. I was there watching that meet and the way she went out she went out really aggressive was 16 seconds below or 16 seconds faster than what coach dunn had put her at and then you know hit the middle of the race and it's like okay now it's kind of catching up to her and stuff you know legs were getting tired and then you just saw it in her face like it clicked like i'm really close to getting this like really close to getting it pushed herself all the way around the track and um she said as she was coming in she saw me jumping i had like a bright red shirt on and whatnot i'm like let's go let's go you know yelling and stuff she's like okay i guess it's time to go ends up breaking it by two seconds and it was such a fun experience to be there too um the sdsu track was a little different because it was a 300 meter track as opposed to a 200 meter track so it simulated more of kind of like an outdoor race we for outdoor we will we will race on 400 meter tracks as opposed to 200 um which is seen more in indoors but um, still a lot of fun experience. We had myself, uh, Kayla, and then Jordan Merwin go and compete at that meet, uh, looking at going back there next week. Um, but for people that don't know, like me, how long is a 5K race? 5K race, that's 3.13 miles. Um, so at that track, it was 16 and two-thirds laps um, for that race, uh, which is it's a lot of laps to be just going in circles constantly. Um, you know, for me, I did the 3k there, uh, and that was 10 laps. So you're just kind of constantly running in circles. But the nice thing was there was like, I think 26 people in our heats or something like that, which is insane for a indoor track meet. I think the most I've ever seen in an indoor track meet was like 20. And even that, you know, you on an eight lane track, like what it was, it was still a lot of people to kind of run around and whatnot. And the atmosphere was really fun. So, um, let me introduce the second. Okay, yeah, record. okay. Right. So a guy by the name of Jakin Anderson <laughs> broke the school record in the men's indoor 1K at a time of 2 minutes, 43 seconds, and 33 tenths of a second. Yes. Hundreds. 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 Close enough. Hey. I, I broke it by a tenth. Um, That was that was fun. I, I ran that. So this weekend I did 3K mile 1K. The 1K was the last event I did, so my legs were gassed, but still able to break that, which was really cool. Um, Yeah, we'll gloss over that one. Well, uh, let me tease you for a second here. <laughs> You're 27 seconds away from an American record, and I know this because a well, Wasika grad, my alma mater, recently just set the record this past weekend at 2 minutes 16 seconds, something like that. Um, Shane Strike is his name. So keep working, 27 seconds. Do you think you can do it? 
That's a lot of seconds to cut off my race, but you know what? We'll get we'll give it a solid try. I think I know one of my teammates, Nathan Wildauer. He wants to come after that record. He texted me afterwards, was like, "You broke it without me. There are consequences. I'm breaking it next week at SDSU." I'm like, oh, "Okay, go for it by all means." Um, if Mahomes and Kelsey can score three points in 13 seconds, I think Jake has a chance. <laughs> You know what? That's fair. I, I I will keep working at it, and next year we'll see what happens. Um, make sure that the net, um, what is it? The American record. Yep. Okay. The American record is held by a D three athlete. Be able to flex on all the Division one athletes. Show that uh, us D three athletes here at Bethany can uh, break American records too. What country has the main record then? Don't ask me things that I don't know, Brian. That's a, that's a Google search right there. Um, also, Stephanie Whiprod, who we mentioned at um, the top of the broadcast, uh, coming in off a of UMAC Player of the Week, tied her own school record in triple jump with a jump of 10.74 meters. That equals out to about 35 feet for those that don't use the metric system. Um, I think it... So, Noah... Is K-E-N stand for Kenya? I think that's the record. Yes. Two minutes, 11 seconds by Noah Nagini. I don't know if the last name I pronounced it right, but Noah Nagini. That's who you're chasing, Jaken. Okay. So I got to go break a world record now too. 32 seconds. Oh, just break the Kenya record. Then that's the world record. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll transition from breaking records now to we'll get to a overview and uh, looking at the stats and whatnot from the past basketball games this past weekend. Both the men's and women's team were at home against Crown and Morris. We'll start on the men's side. Uh, for the men's team, it was two games that were back and forth in the first half, and then they ran away in the second half. We'll start with the Crown game. That game was huge coming into it. Um, both teams vying for that second seed. Crown had came in off the weekend previous of beating Northwestern. And then they came and kind of laid an egg in the second half against Bethany. Yeah, the thing for me, obviously the storyline, Brian Smith was phenomenal that game. Um, one rebound, shy of a triple-double, um, 29 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds. Um, he's been really, really good, really steady for a long time for this team. Um, just huge performance. Yeah, he, he mischimed a jump. We, what would have got him his 10th rebound? I remember calling him with three minutes. I'm like, oh, he's got the triple. Oh, he just missed the chimed it. Um, yeah, very special. Um, Hunter Nielsen also got a career high 30 points. So two uh, players getting their career high in the same game. That does not happen uh, too often. And then I, I just think our depth uh, was showing a little bit more. I, going in between the two games, I think Drew Sagadal. He came in off the bench. I haven't seen him play much this year, but um, I like what he does on both ends. He, he's scrappy, gets on the offensive glass. He can play some defense and score. Um, Ryan Samuelson's been good off the bench. I know that was the second game. Um, but I just, throughout this weekend, I, I just like our depth. I like how Coach Garvin in the second half feels like he knows what he's doing, like what lineups, because it's been working. Whatever Garvin's halftime message is, uh, that should be the message all year because it, he really got him going in the second half of both games. We, we've seen the depth that this basketball team has for the men's side. I mean, they it feels like they can play about 9, 10, 11 guys. What does that depth do, especially going down in the postseason for a team? Well, I would say this quick, that we foul a lot. Every game I announce, I feel like we have two or three fouls. Um, so having that depth where you can set a Jared Malinkovich for a couple extra minutes because you feel like a Drew Sagadal or a Sharma uh, can fill in just enough so you don't have to worry about him fouling out. Um, I think the depth really helps with that in, in the postseason as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And they're not losing much when they when they bring in those bench guys. They're playing so well as a team. The way that Garvin has them going, I've, I've been super impressed with the job that he's done this year. Um, they're just, right now they're clicking on all cylinders. And it's good to see, too, after the start to the season we had. I mean, you know, close loss to Northland, close loss to North Central, close loss to Northwestern. It just felt like this was going to be season of close. Like they were almost there, just couldn't put it together. But now it feels like they've just got their full steam ahead heading in towards the conference tournament, which is fantastic to see. All right, now transitioning to Saturday for Bethany's men's team. They played Minnesota Morrison, and it was, again, a very close game in that first half, back and forth. We're trailing by two points, and then in the second half, we saw their defense take over, holding Morris to 29 points, and the offense just kept their foot on the gas pedal, winning by a score of 98-80. to 80. What are some takeaways you guys had for that game? 
well, what was it, like 61 points in that second half? Um, obviously, Jared Malinkovic got going uh, big time. Uh, started to knock down some threes. It was really 10 minutes through the second half when they got going two. Um, it was one-point game with 10 minutes left, and then to win by almost 20, uh, really impressive. Yes, yeah, they outscored him 49-29 in the second half. Um, Jared Malinkovic, we talked to him here soon on the podcast about him calling his own number. And on senior day, starting that second half, he only had six points in the first half. He called his number, and he delivered those three uh, three pointers. But I think that and one at the second half really got the crowd back into this game. Um, and Brian Smith had an alley-oop to Hunter Nielsen. That might have been in the first half, but I think that's going to be the UMAC play of the game. Uh, so watch out for that on uh, all your Twitter and social media because that was a heck of a play. When we had Justin Schrump and Hunter Nielsen on uh, last week, they both talked about how the, their defense is their limit. Like the, As good as they can play defense, that is as good as the team can be. And it really felt like that second half, both second halves against Crown and Morris, it felt like they were starting to find their defensive identity and holding both teams under 30 points in the second half for both those games. Yeah, they gave up 36 points in the second half to Crown, 29 in the second half to Morris. Um, but we talk about it on, on the broadcast all the time that their best offense is their fast break, and you can't fast break off uh, made baskets. So they got to get the stops. And then when you have Brian Smith, who's maybe the best facilitator in the whole conference, um, Kyrie Mayfield, when he's healthy, Jared Milinkovic is good at uh, passing the ball. The Vikings have three uh, players in the top six in assists in the UMAC. Um, so the ball movement is crazy. And to be able in the fast break, they don't hesitate. They make the right passes. They, they get to the rim, or you can kick it out deep to Shrupp or Samuelson. Um, yeah, the defense – Leads to fast break. It's that simple. Yeah, Garvin has really challenged them at halftime. I know the last couple of games, getting into them about getting up on the ball, contesting shots, staying in their faces. Um, and what that's led to is fast break points um, against Morris. They had held a 22 to 5 point advantage in that category. And uh, when they get out and run like that, uh, obviously that's how they want to play. That's where their identity lies. The men's team will have a couple of big matchups coming up this weekend. We'll get to those in just a little bit here in the podcast. Uh, Let's transition to the women's side of things, and we'll start with that game on Friday against Crown. Really, like, looking at it on paper, and you guys were both there, um, those second and third quarters, it just seemed like Crown was just going to find a way to stay in it at all costs. Um, 15-point game after the first quarter, it seemed like, all right, Bethany, cakewalk. They're just going to run away with it. Everything is going to be over. And then Crown outscored them 25-18 to 18 in the second quarter, kind of clawed into it, made it a one-single-digit uh, game, and then it was 25-23 in the third. What were kind of like the momentum swings and changes in that game? Dominic Urbina, uh, she has handles like Kyrie Irving. It's, it's kind of fun to watch her. Um, and she started to knock down some shots in the first quarter. Uh, she was pretty cold. Mackenzie Latsky was pretty good as well. And then Amy Martias for them, she drew two charges on Hannah Geisfeld that really got a crown into this game and get some momentum and kind of giving the Vikings offense to stealth. And then you talk about um, sometimes we just turn the ball over uh, a little too much on offense. And that just when you do that, it gives crown some motivation. Like, all right, we, we can play with these guys if they keep giving us the ball. Yeah, through most of that game, uh, Bethany really struggled to get stops. Um, and then they finally got some going in the fourth quarter, and that's when Ashley Shindell, she made, I think it was four threes in that quarter, um, really got going. Both Geistfeld and uh, Shindell, 30-plus point games. And Coach Jones talked about it uh, in his post-game interview. He said most of the time it's been our defense that's really carried us. Uh, tonight, uh, that Friday night, um, it was our offense. So um, interesting to hear from him, um, his pers- his take on that. And it's interesting to know, too, the past couple of games we had seen Shindell starting and in that starting rotation, starting lineup, she came off the bench, had 33 point, or thirty-three minutes, along with those 31 points, nine three-pointers setting the school record uh, for most three-pointers made in the game. The previous record was seven, so it wasn't that she just beat it by one, she beat it by two, but, I mean, it, it just it seemed like anything she looked at, she was hitting that night. She missed a couple at the beginning where it looked like they were going in, so she could have actually had even more. Um, she hit that ninth three-pointer with like 30 seconds to go. I'm like, oh, is she going to shoot? And she did, and she drained it to extend it to nine. Um, but, yeah, she's just a good shooter, and uh, when she has her confidence up, um, there's not a lot of better shooters in the conference than Ashley Shindell. 
one final note on that uh, crown game. Um, lots of turnovers, but they did set a single-game school record for uh, field goal percentage of that game, 59.7%. Previous record was at 58%. And we'll move on now to the Saturday game against Minnesota Morris. That game, a 12-point game. Bethany taking it 75-63 against a team that is 500 right now sitting in the conference in terms of record. And a team that we've seen kind of trip up Bethany in the past and give them kind of fits and whatnot. This one staying a little closer than what that crown game turned out to be. What were your thoughts about that game? Uh, Ten turnovers in the third quarter uh, really stood out to me. And they had 23 in the game. So 44 turnovers between the two games for the Vikings. A lot of people don't maybe not know this, but they entered uh, the weekend with the second most turnovers in the UMAC. And you Think about that, and they're undefeated in the UMAC. That's kind of like a crazy stat to me how uh, they're still being so successful. Um, but when they got it, the, the, the defensive stops, like kind of like Gibbs, their offense carried them on Friday, but their defense, uh, when they got the stops, Morris couldn't get into that 3 fours trap, 1-3-1 type zone. Um, so uh, getting some stops there. Lexus Eagle chasing for them. She was kind of cold in the first half. Um, the second half, she, at this third quarter, the, she got a couple baskets, so it really more sh- should have took more advantage in that third quarter, I really thought. They only outscored the Vikings by four points when he had ten turnovers. Yeah, Eagle Chasing, you mentioned, had five steals against us um, in that first half. One of the things that I look at, really, I mean, Hannah Geistfeld, again, her efficiency takes over. When, when the Vikings get shots up, most of the time they're going in. Like, it's consistent, above 50% shooting for the game. Um they just got to limit the turnovers, and that's tough when you have teams that really focus in, knowing, hey, we've got the Vikings coming up, one of the best offenses. They're going to do whatever they can to throw whatever look at the Vikings. And something that we talked about last week was just the different looks that Northland was giving Bethany. Do you think moving forward now, defenses are going to take a look at maybe what Northland did, what Morris did, and be like, all right, if we can just disorient our defense and know only, and have us being the only ones on the floor in the gym knowing what we're doing and make it tough on the Vikings that way to know exactly what offense they can get into, do you think that's going to really kind of plague the Vikings moving forward? Um, we'll see. So far, they've been able to respond and step up in the fourth quarter, um, but, but we'll see moving forward, um, especially against Northwestern. I think that's the game that everyone has circled on their calendars coming up, final home game, or final game, excuse me, of the season. Yeah, it definitely takes, I think, our young guards a couple quarters to um, get comfortable or whatever the defense is throwing at them. Um, but going back earlier, I said, like, Hannah Geisfeld needs to th- score these 30 points if they're going to c- continue to win. Um, that's really if they turn the ball over over 20 times. I think they can win some games to Geisfeld in the 20s, um, but their turnovers need to go really low. I think Geisel's kind of carried them in that aspect to overcome those turnovers. Um, that postseason basketball, you can't turn the ball over that many times. It's just plain and simple. Um, but I think Lyle Jones, another week of practice here, it'll be a good uh, gauge here this last weekend um, to try to get out of that sloppiness and go into the tournament more confident, more smooth. Ashanti Boykin, 15 assists this weekend. Um She's been starting. She's been finishing the games. The coaches obviously have a ton of trust in her. Um, and when she's moving the ball and, and running the offense, especially when they take away Hannah's looks in a high post, low post, doesn't matter, um, Ashanti's been huge in keeping the ball moving. Yeah, 7.6 assists, 3 for 3 from the field uh, Saturday. She she had a good weekend, definitely. So now we'll take a look at, um, you know, we're moving into the final week of the regular season, kind of take a look at standings and what stands out to us in terms of conference uh first we'll start with the men's side uh northwestern has all but locked up i think the regular season championship should have that number one seed uh even i think if they drop these two games to close out the weekend against bethany and mlc they would still have the vikings i think on overall record uh giving them the uh conference one seed and the regular season championship bethany right now one game over crown they hold the tiebreaker for head-to-head matchups Crown sitting in third, North Central sitting in fourth, holding that final home game spot for the first round. Um, I believe that they've all but locked that up as Northland is below them, sitting at four and eight. Wisconsin Superior tied with Northland at four and eight. Minnesota Morris uh, could possibly see them again coming up here um, in a couple of weeks for that conference tournament. And then Martin Luther rounding out the uh, conference standings. So after going through that list and looking at possible first round matchups, 
Um, it could be any combination of Bethany taking on Northland, Superior, Morris, or maybe even MLC if MLC can pull off a couple of upsets this coming weekend. Who do you look at uh, for the Vikings in that first round and say, all right, this is a team definitely do not want to see? I don't know if I'd say that about um, any of the teams you mentioned, but the team I'd be most worried about is Morris, just because they've shown they've beaten the crown this year. Um, obviously, through the first 30 minutes, they played us even. It's a team that come, can come out, they can get hot, they're big, physical, um, can take away some of the things you want to do offensively. Um, so they're kind of a wild card. They've been hit or miss this season, but if they're on, they've shown to be really, really good. I guess I can agree with that, but the Vikings are so much more talented than those teams that I, I don't really think it matters who they play. The only way they lose against either of those teams is if they beat themselves. All right, and then looking looking at the rest of the tournament now, those top four seeds of Northwestern, Bethany, Crown, and North Central, um, what sticks out to you about the Northwestern and North Central teams that we're going to face coming up here um, this weekend? We'll start with Northwestern. Um a team that we lost to by four points um, back in January. It was a really close back-and-forth game, one that the Vikings feel that they should have had. Uh, we're now going to Northwestern, a place they haven't won since 2012-2013 season. Um, what what kind of uh, results do you expect, matchups stick out, different things like that? Well, one thing you know going into a Bethany-Northwestern game is both teams want to push the ball. They're most likely going to rely on the three-point shot a lot. Um, obviously, I think Hunter Nielsen gives Bethany an advantage um, moving forward against potential matchups against them just because Hunter's footwork has improved so much this season. He's got so many different moves that he can go to down low, um, looks a lot more comfortable down there. Um, but certainly, you know it's going to be a high-scoring, uh, a barn burner type game when those two play. Yeah, they're really well-coached Northwestern. Um uh, so you, you just have to be on your game. They had the lead most of the game against um, Northwestern at home, but they're going to have to play a whole 40 minutes. They can't give up a 13-2 to or 19-2 to run or uh, be behind too much because, yes, we have a great offense that can come back fast, but you don't want to get down uh, by double digits to a team that's that great. All right, and then looking at North Central, that's the last game of the season before we get into conference play on Saturday. Um, a team that beat the Vikings in overtime at Bethany. Uh, that game was like 101 to 98, an absolute barn burner again. Uh, former sports information director Dan DeWitt, now the head coach at Bethany, um, able to take one from Bethany. Now they're looking to possibly sneak into a third seed. Um, and depending upon how things shake out, I think the second seed is still in play for North uh, Central. What do you see as being a keys for that one for Bethany to hopefully take that game and secure that second seat? I think the way they've been playing the past, uh, what, we're on a seven-game win streak now. The way they've been playing recently, if they do that, they're going to be successful. Brock mentioned it earlier. I think we're the more talented team. Uh, Matchup guy for guy against uh, North Central, I think we're deeper. Um, so we go in, we play our game. Um, I know... Garvin's going to have them ready to go, um, especially losing against them at home earlier this year. But I think we should take that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because we're we've been a second half team lately. But that game, we're up by twelve at halftime, and we blew that lead down the stretch. And they're kind of a mirror image of us, really. Uh, they're playing style because Dan Dua comes from us. Um, so it's just whoever executes the best. It's that simple, and I think we have the better players. Um, so I give us the advantage in that regard, but they, they have some good players too. And they saw that Justin Castro, he just went off on us in that fourth quarter and they got Micah Flyler that can shoot threes and you don't want him to get going. That's the key is just like other uh, teams going against us. They won't want to see Shrupp get hot because when you have Shrupp that's hot and you have him off the Brian Smith, Hunter Nielsen pick and roll, it's really hard to beat you. So you just don't want to get them going in an offensive rhythm because they can put a lot on you really fast as we saw in last game. So you both kind of mentioned how Bethany's been playing as more of a second-half team the past um, couple of weeks here on this win streak, and it's really seemed to change because they would come out and just full bore, pedal to the metal, like we're just we're just going. And then you'd see them kind of take it off in the second half, allow teams to kind of get back in, where now it's flipped and it's like, all right, takes them a while to get into it. Defense kind of has to get adjusted and whatnot. And then that second half, it's just, 
all right, yep, our defense, we're going to stop you, and then we're going to go score on the other end, and then we're going to keep doing the same thing. What do you think has changed from that first half of the season where they just kind of struggled in that second half till now? Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly, but um, I know this. The guys are responding very well. You can, you can feel it in the gym, especially with these five home games they just had. The guys are playing so well together. They believe in each other. They trust in what they're doing. And when they decide to, to really step up and guard, super dangerous team. Yeah, I think some of our shot selection lately has been a lot better too. Um, sometimes you'd be like, oh, Shrupp, you're shooting way too many deep threes like right away at the beginning of the shot clock. I think um, you like Shrupp taking those threes, but I think uh, they're taking it more, the shot clock down, like it, looking for the best look rather than the first look. Um, and then, yeah, get in a transition. So I, I just think, like Gabe said, they're playing together more. Um, and I think they're just pl- they're just in sync and they're just performing on a seven game one streak hot at the right time. All right, we'll transition now over to the women's side of things. Um, Bethany, after this weekend, twelve and zero in conference, the best start in program history. It's funny to say best start because we're this deep into the season, but um, have a chance at having their first undefeated conference season in program history with Northwestern hot on their tails at eleven and one. That Friday night matchup, if there is a UMAC game of the week, that should be all over um, those games between both teams from Bethany and Northwestern. Um, let's preview that game first. That that has the feelings that it's just going to be an absolute barn burner and both teams are going to be going at it. Everything is still open for that one seed. We know who the one and two seeds are, and it's going to be between those two teams. Um, what are some key matchups and just overall... Um, thoughts you guys have for that game all right i'll go first here i think ashley shindell and alexis cloyd and taryn christensen they've been shooting uh, the ball well from three and i think they're gonna have to knock down their threes and then uh to open up hannah geisfeld because they do that two three zone they do a pretty good job against hannah um so if they can knock down their threes and take care of the basketball i still think the vikings um even with the saracot kandri i think they're still a better team um but they're not going to win this game if they turn the ball over 20 times, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, that's a good point. I think um, we have to emphasize moving off the ball a little bit, getting um, make the easy pass, um, really limit those turnovers, and then knock down those shots. Because we know that Northwestern has had relative success against Geistfeld in the past, um, and that they're going to take her away if the uh, if Cloyd and Christensen. Meyer can step up and, and make shots. Meyer has been playing fantastic basketball, by the way. Um, she's got very bright future ahead. But they do that, they're going to have a good chance. I mean, we've talked about Meyer a bunch um, last week against, or last week for the podcast and just in the past couple of weeks on broadcasts and whatnot. Um, the true freshman really stepping up. But then again, we talked about it. Haley Shindell, or Haley Shindell, my bad. Ashley Shindell. Um, she, she's been stepping up as well and has seen increased minutes with the Sarah Kotke injury. Um, aside from Hannah Geisfeld, obviously, who do you two think is going to be the kind of number two option going forward for this Vikings team? I think it's it's kind of tough, but I think that's good because we're, we're deep. So I, I think that Meyer can keep driving to the paint, that Cloyd can knock down threes and Chindel. Um, so I think they all they're, they're all different. And I think that that's what makes the Vikings kind of special. Eleven and zero. They don't have the same uh, player. They they all have different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, Lyle Jones has found that he's preached to them their role, what he wants from them. Uh, and I think depending on the game, depending on the looks they get, uh, they know what look to go get uh, because of the good coaching and, and uh, their skills. So I, I think the number two option, and it's not going to be the same every game. I think it's going to be different. Yeah, I agree with that. We've seen Alexis Cloyd go off, Meyer obviously, Shindell. Um, it seems like someone every game has stepped up, and I expect that to continue moving forward. Um, we'll look at this. Uh, the last time that the Eagles and the Vikings played, uh, Northwestern came out and dropped 27 in that first quarter, and then there was a play by Hannah Geisfeld where she was running towards the corner at the end of the first half, grabbed the ball, was falling to her knees, whipped it down the floor to Sarah Kotke at half court, and Cloyd knocked down a three, and that really kind of gave the Vikings go- momentum going into the locker room. They were down seven, and then in just the second half, that defense really stepped up, held the Eagles to 21 points, 
uh, while scoring 40, ended up being a 74-62 Vikings victory. Geisfeld had 31 and 21. Um, it's going to be a big matchup, and it's going to be in enemy territory. You get the feeling that for both those games, it's going to be loud in there. Um, the Eagles usually are pretty loud in their home gym, obviously. Um, yeah, I think they have the highest attendance in UMAC this year. They average the highest attendance in the UMAC as well, so that's going to be a big one for Bethany to win. And then it doesn't stop there. The Vikings are going to be traveling then to North Central, uh, who is third in conference right now, 9-3 and three in conference. They, they're only three losses this year. Um, have been in conference play. The Rams going into that game 20-3, and three, depending upon their results um, on Friday night, moving into that Saturday game, final game of the regular season for both those teams. What are going to be the keys going into that one? I think that's going to be an interesting game to see if we want to stay perfect in the UMAC if we beat Northwestern because then we don't really have to play our players. And I know we have some uh, nagging injuries. Uh, are we going to go for perfection? Are we going to play the whole 40 minutes um, with Hannah Geisfeld? Because if you, you already won the conference um, outright, they definitely don't want to share. That's why I think that Northwestern game, they're going to be amped because they shared it with Northwestern North Central uh, last year but I really think that the main focus is that Friday night going into practice and Saturday is a lot gonna depend on how that matchup goes on Friday night yeah I, I agree with you lock into that Northwestern game uh, one quick thing the the gym the first game against Northwestern Northwestern was stunned I mean they it felt like they were in control throughout the first half of that game then you mentioned the big momentum turning play um, they were stunned at what Bethany was able to do that second half I, their fans, their team, it felt like they had it. They're going to be ready to go. So uh, Bethany has to bring their A game for sure. And then, again, it, that'll be interesting uh, if that scenario does arise uh, for Saturday, Brock. He, he talked about Northwestern being stunned. I was stunned. I was on the call for that one, and I, I didn't have words. I couldn't believe the play that Hannah had pulled off, being able to have the just wherewithal to take the ball wrap it around the defender and throw it down to midcourt. I was, I thought for sure like it was going to be something she had to eat it, and then Vikings bring it up hoping for a last-second shot, but they were just able to get it up the floor right away. Um, looking at the last cent, uh, game against North Central, it was 77-66. Vikings able to take that one in an 11-point game. And that game, it felt like the Vikings had control all three quarters, and then all of a sudden, North Central just started putting runs together in that second half. Um, especially towards the end. They had 27 points in that fourth quarter, but they only had eight in the third. So you feel like North Central was one full quarter um, in that third away from making it a, bunch, a much closer game. What do you think they're going to bring on Saturday against this Viking squad who could be going for a perfect conference record? Definitely a lot more energy. The, if you watch that game, uh, there were – body language it just didn't feel like they wanted to play on Tuesday night um I don't know if that what <laughs> the drive up or drive down I guess was but uh they just didn't really feel like they wanted to play that night so I think uh if they watch the film they're gonna see that and that's just gonna pump them up to play with a lot more energy yeah North Central they're gonna be ready to go for sure I think yeah, we did see a kind of a low energy game that night um but they'll be ready to go final regular season game for them so couple of good games to wrap up the conference season coming up we'll have interviews with jared malinkovich of the men's basketball team he'll talk about his season to this point and what the expectations are coming up this week and looking back on some of his favorite career memories and then we'll also have ashley shindell and taryn christensen on to talk about women's basketball and some fun stories with that we are now joined by two-time UMAC champion and who's appeared in the most games in Bethany men's basketball history, Jared Malinkovich. How are you doing today, Jared? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, you, you've been a staple in this episode. I know you came here in the first uh, season. Um, this time, you're in the same spot, really. You're at the end of the regular UMAC season getting ready for postseason play. Uh, but this upcoming weekend now, you got North Central and yeah. you got Northwestern. Coming off a huge win against Crown, you control your own destiny. What's the key going into this weekend? I think we, I mean, we're looking for a 2-0 sweep, obviously. Um, it put us in a good position to get second seed for sure. Hopefully, maybe Northwestern loses one game, but second seed is pretty much what we want right now. So, 
Yeah, I think I saw something over uh, the weekend here that Northwestern had locked up that one seed. Let's go back yeah. to that uh, Morris game from this past weekend. You guys winning 98-80. to 80. You had a big second half to kind of propel the team uh, while you guys were trailing in that game with what was a back-and-forth first half. Kind of talk about, like, the momentum that you guys had coming out of that second half. Yeah, we knew going into halftime it was not our best half defensively. We knew that, so we wanted to step up our defense and – get um, some stops and then get in transition. That's our best way to we score and that's what we did and we ended up only letting up 29 points or something like that in the second half. So, And you scored 16 <laughs> points. You had a bunch of threes in the second half and and one. Uh, what has been the second half energy going into halftime? What is Garvin saying? Because you're down by two points against Crown. You beat him by 25. You're down by two points at halftime against Morris and you beat him by 18. Well, what turned the switch in the second half? I think just in the first half, we play a little tight, and we don't play how we usually should play. And then we come in, talk, reset our nerves at halftime, and then we know what to do in the second half, and we come out strong. Obviously, kind of <clears throat> coming down the final stretch here before a conference tournament, those games that you guys had where it's, you know, you're down in a back-and-forth game to being able to pull away in the second half, those are kind of crucial, especially going into tournament time. You've had experience, obviously, mm -hmm. Um, playing in that tournament and being in those types of situations, how big is that experience from this past weekend going to be going forward? It'll help us a lot. You know, building confidence with these good wins as we go into the tournament really helps a lot. We got three, four guys with tournament experience and NCAA tournament experience, so it helps a lot. And you, you <clears throat> got that record we talked about prefacing in this interview, the most games played in Bethany Vikings history. And I think I saw a tweet by your dad, too, saying not only <laughs> you have that, but you win. It's another thing of playing games, but you're being successful. You have those two rings. Um, who did you really get that, I guess, since you stayed healthy this whole four years, mm -hmm. um, you probably had to go against some kinks or some sore knees or something like that. How did you stay healthy your time here at Bethany? Um, I'm just fortunate I never got like a serious injury. The only thing I got was a concussion. I only had to miss a couple games, so that really helped. Um, fortunate enough to have my teammates and coaches trust me to go out there and be on the floor each game. So, You've been uh, tabbed as one of the top defenders in conference, constantly night in and night out having to play against the best offensive player from the other team. What has that been like for your career, having to, you know, mentally prepare yourself to just be on top form on defense knowing like your defensive play kind of helps guide the team in in terms of slowing down the best opposing players offensive play yeah just just a strong mindset going into the game knowing i'm not gonna let this guy score i'm not gonna let him beat us i'm gonna make him have a bad night not have a good and efficient night is what we try and say so just um being mentally strong and being ready to play each and every day Going with that mentally uh, strong on the defensive end, uh, how have you, you – you have some up-and-down offensive games. Um, mm -hmm. You score about maybe six points, or yesterday you scored 22. How have you kept your defense, though, consistent throughout no matter what's going on on the offensive end? You know, I just try to let defense play into my offense. Like, we get a stop, and then I try to run the floor and get, like, a wide-open uh, layup or kick-out three. So I just let the defense translate into offense. What's been kind of like a highlight of your career that you look back on and like, man, that was cool. Like, what's been one of those moments? I would have to say my freshman year, um, beating St. John, number like four or five ranked St. John's in the tournament. I mean, there was a poll on Twitter about before the game. It was, you know, who's going to win the matchup. And it was like 99% St. John's, 1% Bethany Lutheran. So, and that was a really fun game too. Like, it was back and forth. Like, everyone's hitting threes. Like, that was one of the craziest games I've been a part of, I think, in my career. Uh, going back to that offensive end, I think if you were on a different team with maybe not Kyrie Mayfield, Brian Smith, Justin Trump, Hunter Nielsen, a lot of offensive people, your offensive numbers would be even higher. When do you pick and choose? Because uh, like yesterday in the second half, you just took over. When do you like feel like, okay, I have to step out on offense. I'm going to take a couple shots instead of uh, kind of being more passive. Um, yeah, I try to just find my open shots, and if I hit one or two, then my confidence starts to get going, and then maybe I hit another one like I did yesterday. And so, but I usually look to Brian or Hunter, uh, Kyrie, and then if I need to get one, I can go get one. I think I have that play style, or if I can get an easy one, I'll go and get it. 
Okay, and then the last question here. How special has it been um, to play these five years, but also with your, your twin brother, and also you had your older brother here your first couple seasons? Yeah, it's been fun. We've played together since second grade basketball, so going all the way up into my fifth year is pretty special, and not a lot of people get to do that, so it's pretty fun. I know Brock said last question, but I do have one more too. <laughs> going into that, um, going into this weekend, you're playing two teams that you've lost by a total of seven points against in Northwestern and North Central. Specifically, both of those games, like they felt like winnable yeah. games. You guys mm -hmm. were in it to the very end, had double digit leads in the first half. What's kind of the mindset going into this weekend now? And we'll start first with Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern's always a tough opponent, and you know it's hard to go and play at Northwestern, but. That first game we played at home, we knew we should have won. We've given up leads, so I think going into that game, we're going to come out strong and hopefully take the dub. And then for North Central, um, that was a game that went to overtime. You guys lost by, I think it was three, right at the end of the game. Um, kind of another heartbreaker at home, coming back from <clears throat> semester break. Uh, what's the mindset going into that one? It's definitely going to be like, uh, we're going to give up their all. We're going to give us the, their all, or whatever. But yeah, it's going to be... A, uh, a fun one you know they took it to us in the second half so I think we're going to come out and give it to them and this is the last weekend kind of going into the tournament um, last four practices this week do you think coach Garvin's going to really get after you guys kind of last week of practices before we get into postseason play yeah they gave us Monday off so that's nice but you know we're still going to uh, prep hard for North Western North Central but it'll be fun yeah, I have another question here. You, you have, you've been here for five years. Uh, who is the toughest player you've gone against or your favorite person um, to guard in your five years? That's a tough one. Um, you know, Tim Wendell on Crown, I had to guard him a few times. Um, he's one of the, probably one of the best UMAC players in history. Uh, Noah Alm is pretty good. He's tough to guard. I'd say it's like those two. Those are kind of like... Because I've just played against them each year, and we're the same age. So, like, going up against those two guys are pretty tough. Does it just give you some swagger? Like, okay, you're going against the number one player, 25 points. Yeah, we'll put Jared on him. Yeah, it's it's nice to have my coaches, like, back. Like, he wants me to guard the best guy. So, I'm going to try come out and try and keep him to under as a efficient night. You brought up Noah Alm, and he's a guy that you're going to be facing on Friday, I believe. It's Northwestern first, correct? Yep. Um. You're, he's a guy you're going to be facing on Friday. He has such a smooth jump shot. Like, mm -hmm. he just rises up and is able to just shoot it over people or he can attack the basket and get to the rim. Um, defensively, how do you kind of prepare to match up? What do you look to kind of take away? Uh, I, I think with the left hand, he likes the left hand pull up. Um, so it's kind of sitting on his right hand and then just having a high hand every time he has the ball and then giving some length on him because he can drive by and score and pull up. So just giving uh, some high hands all, all time and, like, always knowing where he's at. What makes Northwestern so difficult? Um, they're always at the top of the conference about every year. What what makes them so difficult to beat? They're just a good, disciplined team. They got a good coach. Um, they play good defense. Like, they pack the paint when you drive. So it's, it's tough to get on offense, and then it's tough on defense because they're just a really solid team. And they have been solid all year, but it really feels like you guys kind of had their number here at home, um, hoping to obviously win that one. Let's look at North Central now. What are kind of like the keys you guys are looking at for North Central? They got their two guys, Filer and Castro. Castro really took it to us at home, so we're going to look to shut him down and then always just know where Filer's at because he can shoot it from anywhere. Um. And then going back to that Northwestern game, the last time it looks like you guys won at Northwestern was 2012-2013, so it's been about nine years since you guys mm -hmm. have had a win. But going into that tournament, it really feels like it's going to be a two-team race kind of between you and Northwestern. So do you feel like it's going to be a big game to get some good experience in there and hopefully come out with a win to say, hey, we can win here? Yeah, going if we get a win in there, that just brings our confidence even higher for the tournament. So if they do get one seed and we end up going up there um we know we can win so that'll be uh, beneficial for us well jerry we appreciate you coming to join us here on a super bowl sunday we're talking this podcast will come out on tuesday the 15th but we appreciate you making time here sweet thanks guys for having me that's Thank jerry malinkovich up next is taryn and ashley shindell with gabe stays i'm gabe stays joined here now with ashley shindell and taryn christensen of the women's basketball team thank you for joining the show how does it feel to have won 10 straight games 
to be, to be, it feels amazing because last year we really didn't have a season due to COVID, like everybody knows. Um, so it was nice to be able to have a lot of away games actually, because I do enjoy being on the road with like pretty much my sisters, having fun in hotels, making memories. Um, and for us to be, was it, is it 12 and 0 in conference? Yeah. 12 and 0 in conference. And they said that was the first time for us this year. I really do feel like this year our team has really stepped up and I am like proud of everybody on it. It's definitely been a different atmosphere too with having people out with injuries throughout the entire season. So it's nice to see some of those girls step up and do what they're supposed to do on the court. And it's nice to see them succeed too. That's interesting. You mentioned road games. You've got two of them coming up after a long homestand, obviously. Um, have you been staying at a hotel most of the time this season? Um, we didn't stay for the Crown or Morris games. Um, I'm really not sure if we'll be staying overnight this this weekend. Are we I not? don't think we will. I don't think we will either. But it's just fun being on the road with them and making memories on the bus because that's where most of the memories are made. Like It's pretty much just sitting there on the bus for hours because you, ha- you really don't have anything else to do except for talk to each other, really, and play games. Uh, I think my favorite road trip this year has been the Chicago <laughs> tournament. <laughs> um, it was nice because we were able to bond on the bus ride because it was just us. We didn't have the boys there, and we were all talking constantly, and then the windshield kind of made us. Yeah, that kind of made us. <laughs> Tell me about that. Um, so we were turning by a stoplight and we turned a little too close and the stoplight hit the the window and shattered the outside and they had to have like 30 some pieces of tapes to make yeah, sure that none of the glass we come in <laughs> lost a hubcap it was yeah, great it, and i felt bad because he's never really drove in a big city before he told our coaches that so we were just like oh man <laughs> that sounds too funny to be true almost um how have you been able to maintain, I mean, it's been such a long season, especially it feels like it coming off of COVID. How have you been able to maintain a balance between academics, basketball, social life, those things? Um, coach always tells us in practice, you really won't have a socialized life if you want to accomplish big things. And I've just accepted that. I'm pretty sure everybody on the team has accepted that. But like I said, we all have each other. We all hang out constantly 24-7. We, yeah, there's little bickers up here now and then because we're always together but like we move past those so quickly and like there's hardly any drama on the team really to me and it's just fun being around girls that you honestly want to be around like for a lifetime pretty much yeah honestly I think academically just kind of have to take the time that you can during the day if you have any spare time and just kind of do your homework then and then focus on basketball and then once basketball is done then we kind of get back into homework again after practices and stuff like that. So it's definitely a different time management thing. You recently had a school record nine threes against Crown, a few of them coming in the fourth quarter, big to put that game away. Um, Hand in your face, it didn't really matter. When you see a couple go in, do you just lock into his own? What's that feel like for you? Um, Yeah, after I see a couple go in, then my confidence just goes up, and once I'm feeling it, I'm just – locked in and I just keep hitting a few and um, honestly the biggest thing for me is seeing the confidence in the people that are passing me the ball too like as soon as Hannah passes me the ball and once it goes in and she looks at me and she's like yep you just got that and it just gives me that extra boost that I need from my teammates on the floor and it also comes from the coaches too as soon as if if I miss a few and then I keep shooting they're like you need to keep shooting like it'll go in it'll go in and that just helps me with the confidence wise Speaking of that, this is for both of you. Um, when Hannah gets going and is able to get her touches inside, uh, that has to be good news for you too, right? Like, how do you work off of Hannah, especially when she gets it in the high post? Um, her job is if she has a lane to go, she goes. Like, we all know that. Like, she is an All-American for a reason, and we respect her for that, and she has worked very hard for that title. Um, but she knows if someone doubles down on her or triples down on her, she knows she has shooters around the outside that she can distribute to. And it is our job to knock those shots down. That's why we can, like, we go in and get our shots up to make sure we do knock down those threes for Hannah working so hard in there. Yeah, I think our biggest thing is we just have to get it into Hannah and she can wheel and deal. She can do whatever she wants. And 
she makes it because she's good and she's worked so hard at what she does. And after a while, once they start to double down on her, she notices, okay, I have these people on the outside. It's time to give them a chance. And honestly, I think she does a great job of seeing the floor. Uh, this Saturday against Morris, obviously they, they played a very extended zone, um, really different kind of style of defense. Um, you've seen so many different defenses this season. Does your film study ever feel like it goes to waste just because teams are maybe playing so unique against Hannah? To me, our coaches always say everybody, we have a target on our back, and we know that because of the time we've taken to make the program how it is today. Um, for me, our coaches watch film day and night to make sure they have everything that we need to be successful throughout the games. And yeah, some zones are difficult to get the ball into Hannah, but if our shooters are starting to get hot on the inside, then it'll pull the zone out and they'll have to get out of it. Or if they're leaving her open in the inside, then they'll have to shrink in and then that's when it gives the shooters the chance. So that's why I'm kind of glad that our coaches do take their jobs pretty seriously and give us the success that we need to like win every game that we get a chance to. Honestly, it, I think it's hard for any team to play defense against us because it's either you play a zone and you play the three-point game or you take away Hannah. And in any given night, you can have Hannah show up or you can have the shooter show up, and who do you guard? So I think it's really kind of hard, and we've had a lot of freshmen step up, like Lexi being able to hit her shots yesterday. She really came out and showed people that you got to play the outside and you got to play the inside too with Hannah. Speaking of that, you've had so much adversity this year. Um, obviously, Sarah goes down six games ago. You've been able to keep up the win streak. How have you been able to do that, and how does that help you moving forward? Um, during the crown game, I did go down as well. I got a contusion in my left knee as well, so it was hard to sit at the end of the bench and watch. But our coaches always say, like, you don't know when an opportunity knocks. You have to be ready for it. Coach Jones always says that. Because you, you really don't know when someone's going to go down. You really don't know if someone's going to have a career-ending injury like Sarah. Like, you really don't know. So that's why I am pr really proud of our underclassmen really stepping up and playing the positions that they need to play. Yeah, for sure. She, we No one wanted Sarah to go down the way that she did, but we've had a lot of people step up. We've had Ashanti step up with her defense. We've had Lexi shoot, show up with her defense and her offense. We've had... Grace step up with some defense a lot of that is just knowing our roles and knowing what our strengths are and I think that that's a really important thing that we knew coming into the season is know what your strengths are and do it to the best of your ability fourth quarter this year you guys have been really dominant it seems like um doesn't matter if it's close going into it you guys find a way uh Hannah finds a way to get hers you guys get going on the perimeter or with cutting what has been the key to really get it to really seal these victories. A quote from Coach Jones, you're acting as cool as cucumbers, but <laughs> <laughs> from the national tourney last year against North Central, I will never forget that quote. But no, Coach always tells us, be patient, work the ball. You will get any three you want. He always says that. You will get any shot you want, but is it the right shot? And we have to work the ball to get the correct shot, the greatest shot that we can. And I honestly think that has just been working the best for us in the fourth quarter. I, I hear him and Emma yelling throughout the game, ball reversal, cut, move, yep. reverse it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just, it's constant. And then once that ball does start moving, I mean, you put teams away. You are, I mean, it seems like unstoppable. Um, moving on, two big road games coming up, we mentioned um, as you try to hold down the one seed in the UMAC, how do you stay locked in so late in the season? Um, honestly, I think the the way that we stay locked in is every day before practice, coach always comes in and he tells us, you have this many practices left and this is what we have to do to get where we want to go. And he always comes in and he's like, you guys want to go to the national tournament. I will find a way to get you there, but you have to buy in. I think that that is the biggest thing for all of us. We have to buy in. We have to listen. We have to do exactly what they say because they know the game of basketball so well. And if we want to go somewhere as a team, we just have to do everything that we can and do it to the best of our abilities, and we will go far.
Yeah, he does say that a lot. He always reminds us, you have this many practices left. You have this many chances left. Like, he always gives, he always tells us that. And like I said, I am grateful that our coaches love their job and they love working with us every single day to make us better, but also make us better for like the community as well. And I am just grateful for our coaches and our coaching staff. I think a big thing too is, is, um, we want to do this for the seniors because last year they didn't really get a chance to go to the national tournament and it kind of sucks because some of those seniors they were done and now we just want to make sure that we can get some of those seniors to that national tournament and get them as far as they can to finish their their career on a good note senior day was this saturday um can you touch on what hannah abby and laura have meant to you and the program for me abby was the reason why I committed here. Like when I came on my visit and I was talking to Abby, she really was honest with me and I love honesty. And she really showed me what it's really like to be on a team, to have coaches that care about you. Cause I came from a team that they only cared about winning and I care about winning as well, but they didn't care about people's feelings. They didn't care about how respectful other teammates were for, for each other. And on our team, our coaches do not put up with that. and. She was the reason why I committed. And Hannah was a big part of that too. They were both like older sisters to me when I commit like when I came on all my visit. They were just very honest, open. If I had a question, they would answer it. In my freshman year, I had my second knee surgery. And they were just very motivation motivational and they really wanted me to come back and come back stronger. And they would always encourage me, do my therapy, do as much as you can. Um, for Laura, she she's kind of like my my therapist out on the court. She always makes sure I don't get a little too aggressive with other other teams. I guess you could say because I can get a little temper, a little temper, a little bit. But they have just all been like older sisters to me, and it's just as nice to have a senior class like that. Temper comes with the red hair, and <laughs> <laughs> for you, Ashley, speaking on the seniors. Um, I think a big thing with Hannah is she really shows us that we need to work hard and what a hard worker looks like. Like if we're having a bad practice, she'll pull us in and she'll say, we have to do this better, all this kind of stuff. And I think she really just pulls us in and knows that we can do more, we can give more and all all of that in that aspect. And I really appreciate that because without her and pushing us to be the best that we can be, we probably wouldn't be where we are right now. And that's a big part of this team. And she just continues to bring that day in and day out. Abby, I know she's out right now, but she is a big supporter on and off the bench. Like if we come off the floor, she'll be like, you can do this, this. And she just helps us because she knows the game so well. And we really respect that too because we wish that she could be playing with us this year and she just helps us. And that's extremely important. And with Laura, she is definitely the positive bright energy that we need on this team like if we're if we're getting a little anxious with anything and she just she calms us down like she finds a way and she's just such a like positive person on the team that we can do anything with her because she just knows how to get us there once again this was ashley shindell taryn christensen thank you ladies good luck to you both thank you all right so that was jared malinkovich and ashley shindell taryn christensen um Final thoughts about what you guys heard from those interviews and um, just overall what we've talked about so far in the broadcast or podcast. I, I liked hearing about Taryn Christensen and Ashley Shindell about the team and how their camaraderie um, really playing together. They like each other, actually. Um, not I, not as it's bad, <laughs> yeah. but like it was interesting when Christian said, said in high school, they didn't really like each other. They just cared about winning. Um, but uh, Bethany cares about each other and winning at the same time. So I think that's maybe why they work so well um, together and they've built a dynasty. You're seeing that from both the men's and women's team right now. I feel like just watching them play, um, it's been huge. 10-game uh, win streak, 7-game win streak. Hopefully they can keep it rolling this weekend. You really feel like it's a, it's a family affair when both those teams are on the floor. Just the amount, I mean, you see it all the time with, Hannah Geisfeld running over to whoever made the big play. It's not just about Hannah. It's about the team. For men's basketball, it's whoever's on the floor, whoever makes the big big play. Whole bench is up celebrating. Guys on the floor are high-fiving. It just feels like right now the momentum is purely on the side of the Vikings. Both teams are playing well. 
and it, they're both looking primed for a deep tournament run here come conference tournament time. And Jared Malinkovich talked about it was one of his favorite people to play against is Noah Alm. He'll get that Friday night. Uh, definitely tune into that Friday night at a, right after the women's game. It'll be around, what, 7 o'clock, 7.15. Malinkovich brothers have been huge, by the way, recently. I felt like for both of them, maybe a little bit of a down season uh, through the first half of the year. But obviously Jared coming on strong last game and Jacob Malinkovich, 12 points each of the last two games um, against crown on friday night he was a plus 30 in the box score led the team and that's been pretty consistent for him jacob did pretty decent at the beginning of the season he was that all tournament team at the carroll classic um but then when we got more healthy and justin shrupp went in the starting lineup yeah he his minutes went down and his production went a bit down but yeah six for six at the free throw line yesterday i love my free throws dude it's a free points uh it comes up big at the end uh, i like jacob malinkovich's defense a lot and his Free throw shooting, he's going to be on the floor at the end of the game uh, because he's multifaceted in that regard. Both teams have been locked in. Next week, coming up, um, conference tournament podcast, we're going to go over men's and women's basketball, hopefully have both Coach Jones and Coach Garvin on, and then we'll also have a track preview with Coach Michael Dunn. Um, Final thoughts for this coming week, basketball, track, tennis, anything you guys looking forward to? Uh, Two words, beat Northwestern. I will concur with that sentiment, Brock. Um, Pat Garvin, by the way, he's he's been asking me a couple of times, hey, you guys going to get this going again? When can I be on? Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for that. So are we planning an extra long episode just for Coach Garvin? As he, he, he probably has a lot that he wants to talk about, I'm sure. I'm sure all the coaches would love to just have an hour time slot to just talk and chit-chat about um, their respective teams and whatnot. We'll all take a turn with, with Garvin especially. Next week, yeah, we'll have all three coaches, the Garvin, uh, Coach Lyle Jones, and then uh, Coach Dunn for uh, track and field to preview their conference uh, tournaments. Uh, so come back again next week. Anything for you, Jake? And I know you're the host, I guess, in this episode. I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess. Um, no, it's been it's fun having teams that are really highly competitive, and there's just a lot to cover and unpack and talk about and whatnot. I mean, you look at everything that's going on right now, so – um, thankful that I can be in here with you guys and uh, talk about Bethany sports and whatnot. But I think that'll just about do it for this podcast. So for myself, you, Brock, and you, Gabe, we thank you for listening to the Bethany Vikings podcast. And uh, tune in next week as we'll have UMAC Conference Tournament Preview. But for now, so long. So long.